This is Teach Play Love. The Bright Horizons Parenting Podcast, just for ages 0 to 8. Get the advice you need from our own early childhood expert, Education Vice President Rachel Robertson. And make the most out of every chance to teach, play, and love. Did you ever wonder about how we've come to understand the meaning of gratitude? Like, how did we learn to show that we're grateful for something, you know, beyond just saying thank you? Rachel and Ruth tell us how children learn about gratitude and how we can help teach them about what it really means to be thankful. Hi, Ruth. Hey there, Rachel. So I want to talk about this time of year. This time of year is such a special time with so many holiday traditions and family and friends gathering. I'm feeling it myself, but I'm also seeing people around me reflecting on the year past, thinking about the year to come. Of course, that's not exclusive to this time of year, but it seems like it's particularly common time for people in general to be thinking about what we're grateful for and engaging in acts of kindness. And I know that parents think about how they can cultivate these emotions and behaviors in their children. Yeah, I always did. And I see my kids doing that with their kids as well. It seems like there's a lot of focus on the concept of gratitude. And so I'm really excited to discuss this in more detail with you today or should I say I'm I'm really grateful to discuss this with you? Oh, yes. Good introduction of the concept. I'm also grateful to discuss this topic. You know, the concept, when we're thinking of children, the concept of gratitude is really complex, and it requires a high level of social-emotional development. Unfortunately, it's not baked into our DNA. It's something that does develop over time, requires a lot of intention, and a lot of practice and reinforcement along the way. It is important. I just want to say, I assume this is true, but I just want to say on behalf of children that complex social emotional skills rest on feelings of being socially and emotionally secure. So in order for children or anyone really to get there, to be able to practice something like gratitude or feel something like gratitude, they have to have this feeling of being unconditionally loved and reliably cared for. But let's just assume that's in place for many, many children and know that then that's the place to start if that's not happening for a child. But if that's happening and we're ready to start thinking about the next level of emotion and thinking about gratitude, that that's a good place to be. So if we think about it, children do show signs of empathy from infancy. Most people have seen a baby kind of scrunch up and make a sad face when they hear another baby crying Or maybe like a two-year-old has handed you a toy or another child a toy when that child looks upset. So we're seeing this kind of natural inclination towards understanding others' emotions and some empathy. But genuine gratitude, real meaningful feelings and actions of gratitude requires an understanding of emotions and the ability to take someone else's perspective. This can all start in early childhood, but absolutely needs lots of practice over time and really fully develops later on in life as children continue on with social-emotional development. So Rachel, how does one go about developing emotional understanding? And while we're at it, is this sometimes called emotional intelligence as well? Yeah, emotional intelligence is like the collection of the skills around emotions, but the beginning of it, the roots of it, is emotional understanding or awareness of your own emotions, awareness of others' emotions, even knowing what emotions are. So starting with yourself is really important. And that's 
the job of children. They are figuring out who they are. They're figuring out what things like happy or sad mean. And they do this through their experience with those feelings and then adults around them labeling them or responding to those feelings appropriately. They often talk about them together. Oh, you look sad or we're so happy together. Or they get questions like, how are you feeling today? Or I'm feeling this way, an adult might say to them. And that's how they're picking up these ideas about emotional understanding and awareness. And, and adults can help with this by broadening their understanding, using different words, expanding their vocabulary, thinking out loud. That's a really great tool to do when you're raising children is saying things out loud that often we're thinking in our head. But for them, it's helpful because then they can match our feelings with our actions. So, you know, you could say, I feel frustrated right now because this happened or you look so joyful. I am so happy to spend this time with you when you're so joyful. And don't be afraid to use big, broad words to build that emotional vocabulary. So that's that's the beginning of emotional understanding and the root of emotional intelligence. From my own experience, building an emotional vocabulary is is really helpful. And if you're intentional about it, it's fairly easy. But how do we help our kids develop that skill of taking someone else's perspective? We sort of take this for granted as we get older. We can pretty easily understand, at least maybe we don't have that person's perspective, but we get it. We understand that people have different perspectives and that when we're in a situation, even when we're in a shared situation like you and I are right now, we have different perspectives going on right now and and we understand that. But think of a young child, that is something that they don't they don't know that right away. They're just like, oh, we're all in the situation together. We all must feel great. I feel great. Everybody must feel great. It's a pretty big milestone when they start to understand that others are having a potentially different perspective or experience, whether in the same situation or not. These skills start to happen in preschool. Just a general understanding. Again, all of this develops much more over time. These are complex skills. Think about what a big aha this is for children. It's not like they're like, oh my gosh, I just finally figured out how to understand someone else's perspective. It doesn't happen like a a light bulb like that, like an aha moment. But just think about how much this changes who you are as a person when suddenly you understand that other people have different perspectives. And parents can absolutely support the development of this by asking questions about how others feel. Story time and in books, this is a great time to do this is Don't just try to get through the story. Talk about the characters. What do you think they're feeling? What do you think they're thinking? What is this character feeling versus this character feeling? And then just like I said, with emotional intelligence and emotional awareness, talking out loud. I feel like this. How do you feel? Asking those kinds of questions. And then children are just exposed to this idea of perspective, whether or not you're using that word. And they start to understand that and build an awareness that they have a lot of emotions, others have a lot of emotions, and they're not always the same. So again, it's intentionally kind of extending those conversations so that you have an opportunity to talk about it with them. One thing I'd like to point out, there is a Raising Grateful Children project going on at University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, and they have explored gratitude experiences with families from early elementary through high school. So a bit older than our typical children we're talking about on this podcast, but it's interesting nonetheless because it helps us think about where we want our children to get. Through their research and work with families, they've determined gratitude as an experience that has four parts. I'll share those parts with you. But another thing I think is interesting that depending on the culture of the children and the families, 
different parts are emphasized more. So that just goes to show us what I was saying earlier is that gratitude is something that needs a lot of support and practice. And that's heavily influenced by values and priorities related to culture. So the four parts are what we notice in our lives for which we can be grateful, how we think about why we have been given those things, how we feel about the things we have been given, and what we do to express appreciation in turn. Those are four interesting, really concrete things that we can take a look at. I'm going to give it a try and see if I can fill in those blanks. And you you let me know if I'm on target with this. All right. So, okay. so, okay, so we notice first. So I notice that I'm really grateful for the time I get to spend with my grandchildren. And I think I've been given these things because, well, we found really fun things to do together. And we feel connected when we work on our projects together. I'm going to really work to let them know that they have filled my heart in lots of creative ways. Yeah. So even just, I'd be interested to hear what you say, but even just listening to you talk that through just raises my own elevation and feel good feelings and elevation of gratitude. Yeah. That was an interesting practice to think about what we notice, how we think, how we feel and, and what we do. Those concrete steps really make a difference. Yeah, they don't always have to be connected. Anyone who wants to learn more, I I encourage you to look up the Raising Grateful Children Project. But one of the things to point out is that in our culture, in American culture, we're most focused on what we do to express. So we're looking for action in children. And other cultures are looking more for things that they think or feel or notice. So again, they don't all have to be connected, but they certainly can, like in the example you shared. And it's helpful to really think that through. It raises your level of awareness and your level of gratitude because instead of one thing to be grateful for, you have a well-rounded experience. You're looking at all sides of it. It would be good to discuss this with my grandchildren. They are, most of them, old enough to be able to understand that whole process. And it sounds like a worthwhile pursuit, but let's get really practical here. What are some things that families can do or maybe not do that will promote gratitude. Yeah, let's talk about some practical ways. And and we can think about younger children all the way up through older children as well. So the first thing, and this is true in almost everything we talk about, the most important thing is to just role model, to do self-talk and reflective talk, to talk about what you're grateful for, to think about what you've maybe witnessed other people doing or acts of gratitude and be grateful. Share your gratitude out loud with your children. Demonstrating empathy, again, saying it out loud, talking about what you wonder or curious about other people's experiences, how you'd like to help people, how you're grateful for ways people have helped you, just showcasing empathy if you're in a situation. So I'm going to say, you know, they're always watching. Those little ones are always watching. So it's easy when it's something connected to what we care about, but you should do this even, you know, when you're a driver, think about how you can express empathy versus frustration over situations or at the dinner table when you're reflecting on your day. How do you speak with empathy and reflecting on people's perspective rather than venting your frustrations when those little ears are listening? You know, another way is to really how do you handle getting things? That's Something that comes up a lot with gratitude is people are often thinking, well, my kids aren't appreciative of what they get. 
there's a really good ways to set some expectations about what they get. Like if you go in a store talking about that ahead of time, what are the expectations? Helping them differentiate between something they need versus something they want. Having them make that, put things in those different categories can be very helpful. And then allowing them to earn or work toward things that they want or planning for a goal and then achieving that. Those are all things you can, you should think about ahead of time before you're in the moment and you're tired and you're just trying to get out of the store. And then I say maybe start it at this time of year, but don't limit it to this time of year. Because like I was saying earlier, it takes a ton of practice and reinforcement. And if it's only something that happens at this time of year, it won't be as secure. Of course, it's better to happen at one time of year than never, but certainly figuring out ways to model, show, demonstrate empathy and gratitude year long is much more effective. Those are really great ideas, Rachel. I love the idea of making it a normal focus throughout the year instead of just one time of year, if that's possible, or at least striving for that. At what age and where where do we start? They're little observers from the start. So you can start from the beginning, but takes a while to develop these skills. But the foundational things you can start with in those toddler years, you can begin to be a little bit purposeful and intentional about these skills. So, you know, one thing I'll say is that we often make the mistake of expecting more from children than they can cognitively handle. At toddler age, they seem pretty selfish and ungrateful. If we put adult thinking on their behavior, but they're not, they're absolutely not. They have to be like that to develop the things they need to develop. They are developing themselves, who they are, their identity, what they're capable of. That requires a lot of self-focus. They don't have the capacity for a lot of other kinds of emotions or understandings quite yet. So we should set aside frustrations with those complicated emotions because they don't have the capacity for them. It's like expecting them to run before they're even walking. The easiest place to start is really differentiating between saying thank you and being thankful. So we often tell children, say thank you, and that's okay, but we also have to spend time helping them understand what it means to be thankful. So talking about why you're thankful, thanking them for things, really demonstrating and teaching them about thankfulness beyond just the say thank you. Yeah, I was just thinking about that, about asking kids to say thank you, and what a lack of feeling that word sometimes has to really show that you're thankful is something so different. So share with us again, some concrete activities or ways that we can help our children learn to truly be thankful. Sure. Yeah. So let's talk about some things families can actually do together. Building on what I just talked about with thank you, saying thank you, manners in general are something that you want to make sure that children understand why instead of just complying with the manners, because that's what will make sure that it's happening even when you're not watching. You can do something around manners, traditions. You can have some expectations in role modeling as the adults. You can have Wednesday night mealtime where you're all practicing manners, whatever is important to your family. You could do some sort of tradition like that. Just even making sure that you're saying thank you to each other in a genuine way. I know some families that do this at the dinner table, that they each say thank you to one other person and tell them. And what I mean by genuine is say, I'm thankful for what you did because instead of just a, he thinks, 
I encourage everyone to do that. Actually, it's a great resilience booster in general. Thinking about thank you cards, that's a skill that has somewhat gone by the wayside. So writing, drawing, creating a card is a very valuable task for children. It's a good use of their time. So asking them to do that, even like on a birthday when they're getting a lot of presents, having them stop and write a thank you card before moving on, it allows people to reflect on what they're grateful for, what they're thankful for before moving on to the next thing. Thinking about something like gratitude journals or jars. When my kids were younger, we used to have a jar in the middle of our dining room table. When we we were grateful for something, we would write it down on a sticky note and throw it in there. And then at certain times, often New Year's Eve or New Year's Day, we would read through the ones from the last year, having like a fun tradition around it. Sometimes people do that every evening. Another one is doing random or doesn't have to be random, can be very purposeful acts of kindness, having like a bingo game or a family game or who can do the most in one weekend. Fun little things like that that are about giving and not about getting. Really fabulous ideas that seem like they're easy to incorporate into life. And I can tell you from my own experience that my grandchildren all make birthday cards. And the ones that my husband and I get are so personalized. You can tell the thought that's gone into them. And they really do show true gratitude. You know, the one I do a lot is I try to give random really genuine compliments to people. And I do it whenever, but I also want to make sure I do it in front of my children because the way someone reacts is so gratifying and you feel really good that you gave them that compliment. I just did it last night. I got late night coffee and I was praising the the woman who was cheering me up at 10 o'clock while I still had things to do on my plate. And she was just taken aback by that. And my kids and I had a conversation about how easy it was to make that woman's day because she was making our day. So it's just so simple to do that and to model that in front of your children. That's fabulous. Fabulous. Okay. Now I have a question for you that I think lots of folks have experienced. You said earlier that children may not be capable of gratitude when they're really young. But what if they're ungrateful and it hurts somebody else's feelings or it's even worse in public? And I'm I'm really thinking of that child who opens a present and they're disappointed and just toss it aside. I think I think we've probably all seen that. Oh, yeah. It just makes you cringe, right? It can feel embarrassing. Feels like a personal reflection on parenting. I've had moments like that where you just have to like take a deep breath and okay, okay, (laughs) I can do this. It is so important to just remember to expect the right things from our children and to understand what they're socially, emotionally capable of. And you don't have to be an early childhood expert to know that. You can ask them about feelings and you get a sense right there about how well they understand emotions. So it's just being aware of that and thinking about where they are developmentally. And that remembering that they are supposed to be egocentric, they need to be 100% focused on themselves, that they are figuring every everything out. They are literally learning how to be humans. This is super important phase. Some of it actually comes back in the teen years when they are doing another really important phase about figuring out how to be independent thinkers and, and function independently, often need equal amounts of patience during those years. But As much as you can, sometimes, yes, sometimes we're just trying to get through that moment that's embarrassing and it's in public and we want to say something like you need to say your thank yous or remember what to say here. And we might do that in the moment, but try as much as you can to use each moment in the moment or soon after to redirect 
and teach, to talk about, well, how do you think that felt? What would it feel like to you if that you were in that situation? Stay away from shaming. Don't make them feel bad about it because then they're going to be anxious about it. And again, just then they'll start doing it to just please people rather than build that intrinsic motivation to be thankful or have gratitude. So take time to redirect and teach to role model in that moment. And you could say, say thank you, but you could say, let's stop for a minute. I just want to thank you for choosing that gift for my child. I know you probably spent time on that and put a lot of thought into it and we appreciate it. You can choose it to role model to stop and and your child, of course, will be watching you as we've talked about and they'll be learning how to do it for the next time. Life is truly about balance, about not having a prescription, but being able to think about what's the best thing I can do as a parent right now? How can I help my child through this? Yeah, exactly. I often talk about thinking about what what we're trying to accomplish here. We're trying to accomplish growing these children so they can be successful, happy adults, citizens, learners, contributors to society. And this is part of it. So not just trying to get through the moment, but how can they learn something? How can we all grow as this experience? So you don't want to get defensive and say, oh, my child is not at fault here. You're expecting too much. We need to demonstrate being willing to apologize for mistakes without any kind of making your child feel bad or embarrassed about something they're not able to do, but truly helping them learn and develop these skills. Are there resources, further things that we can look at as families that will help guide us on this path? Because it sounds like it's going to be a long path. It'll be a long path over time, but it will be lots of fun as you go. I mentioned that research study about raising grateful children project at UNC Chapel Hill. Also point you to the Greater Good Science Center, which is out of Berkeley University. And then an organization that we use a lot here at Bright Horizons and partner with called Doing Good Together. And of course, I'll always point you to the Bright Horizons family resources. And uh, we have e-news that you can subscribe to. We have a couple articles on gratitude and a number of other resources for families on this topic. This has been a really uplifting conversation. And Rachel, I am really grateful for the time that you and I get to spend together exploring these topics. It helps me in my life as well as helping others. Thanks, Ruth. Thanks for saying that. And I'm excited about this topic because I know that it is good for children, but it does, just like you're saying, in turn, it gives all of us a wellness boost. Being grateful helps people be more satisfied and more successful and happier with who they are and how their life is going. And we all want that for ourselves and for our children. So I'm excited to focus on something that I know will be such a gift that continues to give to to those that are practicing it. And I am equally grateful to spend my time learning from and talking to such a, a great colleague, but a great friend also, Bruce. Thanks, Rachel. I'm smiling big time. So as children learn about gratitude, be patient, supportive, and help them practice. But most of all, Rachel says it's important to role model. Try talking about things you're grateful for at the dinner table or things other people did to show their thanks. And on that note, it's our turn to say we're grateful you, our audience, joined us for this episode today. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to us and find more episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time on Teach, Play, Love and Rediscover Parenting as a Joy It Was Meant to Be.